You're listening to the official South Bay Church podcast. For more about us, please visit southbaychurch.us. Good morning, church. How are we doing? It's good to see you guys. I know it's uh, eight days into 2023, but Happy New Year. I was uh, making a little thought process earlier. I don't know if it was Seinfeld or Larry David. They said that once you hit January 3rd, you can't say Happy New Year anymore. But since I haven't seen all of you, you know, in an Ecclesia gathering together, Happy New Year. Happy New Year. So I, I don't know where this New Year finds you. I think most of us kind of just uh, barely dragged ourselves into the door this morning. But in any case, it's good to see you all. And I think it's only fitting as we go through a new year and kind of consider all the things that we want to see or how the ways that God's going to work, that we uh, tackle this thing called faith. Amen. And so we'll have, we'll have some stories of faith uh, throughout the month of January. Uh, Mr. Ryan Winkler will be preaching next week, which is really exciting. Yeah. And then there's a surprise on the 29th. There is, a, let's just say, some young guns that are going to bring the proverbial thunder yeah. on January 29th. So I'm not going to ruin the surprise, but definitely excited about that. Um, stories of faith, it's kind of an intro today, if you will, so I'm not going to go too much into one specific story, maybe touch on a couple, but before I do that, let us pray. Father God, we thank you so much for this opportunity to be together. It truly is a blessing, God, to be able to worship you on Sundays freely, without any hindrance, God, to be able to sing songs to you, to thank you. For all the ways that you've worked in our lives, God, you give us so many good gifts that we just do not deserve. One of them is the joy of the fellowship here, even cell phones. Thank you, God, for cell phones <laughs> and the ringers. Public service announcement, please uh, silence your cell phones. But um, thank you, God, just for all the ways that you love us. You are an amazing, gracious, wonderful, almighty Father. We thank you for this time. We pray, God, that you work powerfully during the sermon, during every single aspect today, God. Please allow me to be a vessel for your Holy Spirit to get out of the way and to see you work. Allow our hearts to receive the message with great joy, with this uh, fervor, God, to, to grow closer to you. We thank you so much for this time. The church says amen. amen. All right, so the goal for today, the goal is to inspire a deeper trust in the nature, wisdom, and promises of God that leads to, and I, I put these three just aspects of faith when you, know, when you consider kind of what are some clear manifestations of what it means to follow God and to have a biblical faith. Usually you think of action, right? You know, it's not just a conceptual understanding, but there's something that we, we do as a result of your faith. It's one thing to say that you believe. It's another thing to say that you believe and subsequently do something about it, right? Boldness in prayer. Hopefully, you know, this series as a whole will encourage us to have bolder prayers, Specific prayers, things that we want to see God do in our life, in our small group, in our ministry, in our church, at work, in our friends, in our families, that it encourages us to have faith in an amazing Father. And last but not least, patience in affliction. Sometimes faith is manifested by being patient. Oftentimes, I think in scriptures, it's almost always manifested by being patient. Promises that God gives, and then you watch it come to fruition 20, 30, 40 years later, to have not just a, a sit in the tension and the, kind of all the sorrow and pain that comes with that, but there's a trust in that patience because Jesus is Lord. 
because God's promises are true, because his nature is unchanging. Amen. We're going to look at um, the book of Hebrews specifically in chapter 11 because there's, there's this whole hall of faith that's really, if you've never heard of uh, the hall of faith, Hebrews 11, it's 40 verses. It's the longest chapter in Hebrews. I, you know what we're going to do today? We're actually going to read Hebrews 11. And so, so not all of us are used to scripture reading, but there's, there is a good uh, precedent for this in, in uh, 2 Kings 23 when the Israelites lost the book of the law, the book of the covenant, and they found it. And they're like, wait a minute. We're supposed to be doing this. And we have all these false gods and Asherah poles and all these things going on that have nothing to do with this Yahweh. And so what do they do? They literally start getting rid of all the idols. And then King Josiah at the time, who says he just had this heart that turned to God that nobody like him was like therefore and after. He was just this unique king. He grabs the book of the covenant and he just reads it. He read it for hours. Imagine going through for like Genesis, Exodus, you know, like Leviticus numbers and just there for seven-hour service. You guys ready? It's going to be awesome. (laughs) So, again, ours is only 40 verses, so I'm just trying to, you know, lower the expectations. It's not as bad as you think it's going to be. Actually, really exciting. The writing of Hebrews is beautiful writing. It really is. And so, if we were to go through this, like if this was an actual church and you you got this letter, we would just read the entire letter. And so, in that spirit, we're going to read Hebrews 11 today. But it's important to note that there's this kind of like transition. The way one scholar described Hebrews 1 through 10, uh, verses uh, chapter 11, 1 through 10 is like this beautiful, ornate door, if you will, that talks about how, uh, just how amazing Jesus is. You know, if you were an Israelite uh, and you had these commandments to which you adhered and you had this, this uh, sacrificial system, you'd have this high priest who would af- offer sacrifices for all the people once a year, and he's flawed. He's a human, right? And these sacrifices are like the blood of what? Goats and bulls and rams, right? They're they're animal sacrifices. And in Hebrews 1 through 10, it says that Jesus comes through and he is a better high priest. He is a better sacrifice. His life is unblemished. Where the weakness of the high priest, because he's a man, Jesus was a man, but he was also God without sin. Where it's the blood of animals that was sacrificed to kind of cover over the sins of the people, it is his blood. The supremacy of Christ, it's just ornate door, if you will, in chapters 1 through 10, with a theme of perseverance as well. Hebrews is very much about persevering and enduring and holding on and not giving up. This theme over and over again that you'll see through these chapters. And there's a kind of the hinge of the door, if you will, is right here. And I'm very excited about this little, look at this, we got a laser right here. So I, I'm not going to do like the, uh, the, the Mickey Mouse where it kind of bounces. I'm not going to do that. But um, this is the hinge of the door, if you will, that kind of leads into Hebrews 11. And the backside of that door is, is it goes into these tangible kind of real world, if you will, examples of what faith looks like. And it says this in Hebrews 10, verse 36. You need to persevere so that when you have done the will of God, you will receive what he has promised. For in just a little while, he who is coming will come and will not delay. And, but my righteous one will live by faith. So supremacy of Jesus for chapters 1 through 10, all these perseverances, and then here's the hinge. 
but my righteous one will live by faith, and I take no pleasure in the one who shrinks back. But we do not belong to those who shrink back and are destroyed, but to those who have faith and are saved. And the church said, Amen. Amen. So let's go into this faith in Hebrews 11. If you have your phone, you can use your phone. If you have the old school Bible that has pages that I think, honestly, God prefers because it's the book of life in scriptures. It's not the iPad of life or, you know, whatever the iOS operating system of life. And I say that as I have a phone. Hypocrisy noted. Hypocrisy noted. In Hebrews 11, we're going to read verses 1 through 40. I want you just to absorb this scripture because, again, this is beautiful writing. I, I don't even, I'm not going to go through all of it. If you went through 40 verses in terms of breaking it down, we'd be here for the next three days. But just the reading itself. Oh, please absorb this passage. Here we go. Now, faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. This is what the ancients were commended for. By faith, we understand that the universe was formed at God's command, so that what is seen was not made out of what was visible. By faith, Abel brought a better offering than Cain did. By faith, he was commended as righteous when God spoke well of his offerings. And by faith, Abel still speaks, even though he is dead. By faith, Enoch was taken from this life so that he not experienced death. He could not be found because God had taken him away. Before he was taken, he was commended as one who pleased God. And without faith, it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. By faith, Noah, when warned about things not yet seen, in holy fear built an ark to save his family. By faith, he condemned the world and became heir of righteousness that is in keeping with faith. By faith, Abraham, when called to go to a place he would later receive his inheritance, obeyed and went, even though he did not know where he was going. By faith, he made his home in the promised land like a stranger in a foreign country. He lived in tents, as did Isaac and Jacob, who were heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city with foundations, his architect and builder is God. And by faith, even Sarah, who was past childbearing age, was enabled to bear children because she considered him faithful who had made the promise. And so from this one man, he as good as dead, came descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as countless as the sand on the seashore. All these people were living by faith when they died. They did not receive the things promised. They only saw them and welcomed them from a distance, admitting that they were foreigners and strangers on earth. People who say such things show that they are looking for a country of their own. If they had been thinking of the country they had left, they would have had opportunity to return. Instead, they were longing for a better country, a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. By faith, Abraham, when God tested him, offered Isaac as sacrifice. He who had embraced the promises was about to sacrifice his one and only son, even though God had said to him, 
It is through Isaac that your offspring will be reckoned. Abraham reasoned that God could even raise the dead. And so in a matter of speaking, he did receive Isaac back from death. By faith, Isaac blessed Jacob and Esau in a future in regards to their future. By faith, Jacob, when he was dying, blessed each of his Joseph's sons and worshipped as he leaned on the top of his staff. By faith, Joseph, when his end was near, spoke about the exodus of the Israelites from Egypt and gave instructions concerning the burial of his bones. By faith, Moses' parents hid him for three months after he was born because they saw he was no ordinary child and they were not afraid of the king's edict. By faith, Moses, when he had grown up, refused to be known as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He chose to be mistreated along with the people of God rather than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. He regarded disgrace for the sake of Christ as of greater value than the treasures of Egypt because he was looking ahead to his reward. By faith, he left Egypt, not fearing the king's anger. He persevered because he saw him who is invisible. By faith, he kept the Passover and the application of blood so that the destroyer of the firstborn would not touch the firstborn of Israel. By faith, the people passed through the Red Sea as on dry land. But when the Egyptians tried to do so, they were drowned. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell after the army had marched around them for seven days. By faith, the prostitute Rahab, because she welcomed the spies, was not killed with those who were disobedient. And what more shall I say? I do not have time to tell about Gideon, Barak, Samson, and Jephthah about David and Samuel and the prophets, who through faith conquered kingdoms, administered justice, and gained what was promised, who shut the mouths of lions, quenched the fury of the flames, and escaped the edge of the sword, whose weakness was turned to strength, and who became powerful in battle and routed foreign armies. Women received back their dead, raised to life again, There were others who were tortured, refusing to be released so that they might gain an even better resurrection. Some faced jeers and flogging and even chains and imprisonment. They were put to death by stoning. They were sawed in two. They were killed by the sword. They went about in sheepskins and goatskins, destitute, persecuted, and mistreated. The world was not worthy of them. They wandered in deserts, and mountains, living in caves, and holes in the ground. These were all commended for their faith, yet none of them received what had been promised. Since God had planned something better for us, so that only together with us would they be made perfect. Wow. This is one of my favorite passages in all of Scripture. And I think after you hear it out loud, you might agree. And we're talking about faith, right? Let me go to the next one. There's this Tim Mackey quote that I love. I think we lost a... There he is, right here. We'll go back to that in a second. Now, in Hebrews 11.1, going back to the beginning, it says, now faith is confidence. Uh, There's a Greek word that I usually butcher, but it's uh, apostasis. 
And it's this idea of not even just the confidence, but like, um, make sure my brain comes back to me. There's the uh, assurance. It's kind of like, how it's, oh, I forgot the word, dang it. Oh, what does it mean, Devin? What does apostasis mean? Substance, there it is. There's a substance. Thank you, Lord, that someone is getting a master's in this room. Amen. So a lot of times when we think of faith, right, kind of like the idea of belief. Okay, so I, I want something or I, want, I trust that God's going to do something. I don't have anything in front of me to really say that otherwise. So I kind of work myself in this mental state of believing, right? But when you look at the Greek, there's different interpretations, and one of which is the apostasis is like it's a substance, right? So it's, it's a little more tangible. The elenkos, it's evidence. So there, there's something here that it's, it's more than just simply trying to encourage a certain mental activity and say, I believe, right? And you can kind of see this with all the description of faith that we just mentioned, right? Tamaki says this, Christian faith begins with reason, but it's completed only by faithful action and obedience. So you have these, these two sides of the same coin, right? If you have faith, then you're going to have obedience. This isn't just simply an exercise in conceptual understanding. There is subsequent movement as a result. It is not simply a mental state or activity we muster up, but rather an experience we have because of the choices that we are making. When we live and act in faith, we receive a taste of the reality and substance for what we are hoping. There's scripture in 1 Timothy 3.13 that says that those who serve well gain an excellent understanding, and that word again, great assurance in their faith in Christ Jesus, right? When you are doing something on a consistent basis, you're seeing the promises of God in action. You're seeing the character of God in action. Now, when you say evidence, and you're thinking maybe scientific evidence, you're thinking something that's like, I'm going to test it over and over again, and it's, it's academically verifiable. But how many of us, over the course of, dare I say, decades, have experienced the inherent wisdom of the scriptures? Time and time again, you get to see in your own life, if what God is saying is true, then this should happen or not happen. If God's character is full of love and compassion, then at some point in time, I should see his mercies. I should see God work in my life in such a way that, yeah, maybe I could write off as coincidence. Maybe I could say, you know what, ah, that was just random happenstance or I manifested it for myself. But perhaps, perhaps there's a creator of the universe that is working on our behalf. Perhaps after applying scripture time and time again, we can see God work in our lives, in our marriages, with our child rearing, in our professional lives, with our family, with our friendships. Time and time again, a faith that has a substance, a faith that you can I don't know where this idea of blind faith came from. I, I just don't buy it. I don't buy it. There's 400 eyewitnesses, according to the scriptures, that witness Jesus. I mean, Jesus is a historical figure. That's not a doubt. This, this man lived, and he died on a cross. Now, granted, people have arguments about, okay, what he did in between that and after that. But this man, Jesus, lived. This faith is far more tangible than I think 
what the world might suggest. Right. Right. Hebrews 11, 5 and 6, it talks about Enoch. He lived 365 years, and then he was taken. In verse 6, it says, Without faith it is impossible to please God, because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. It's interesting because we're in this time right now where if you go to the back of the door hinge in Hebrews 10, Jesus is coming, but he's not here yet, right? He's arriving at some point in time. And so we're living lives by faith with the understanding in our hearts that at some point in time, whether it's in our generation or a thousand years to come, that Jesus will come back. It's interesting, right? It's almost like, and it's hard for us to picture this in Southern California because we don't have any snow. <laughs> but those that live in snowy climates, you know, if, you're, if it's like the teens and zeros, and all of a sudden it, the, the weather goes up to like 40-something degrees, oh, heat it's a heat wave. <laughs> Someone comes out with board shorts and flip-flops, and they're walking around like, <laughs> because you don't understand how hot it is right now. With snow still everywhere on the ground, piled up. It's kind of like that with us, right? We're walking around in board shorts and flip-flops in anticipation of Jesus returning. Even though we look around, all you see is snow. All you see is a sinful world. All you see is the ebb and flow of life going in the complete opposite direction. But here we are. And we can understand uh, board shorts and flip-flops because we're in Southern California. So I think that one, that analogy resonates with us. It's a faith with reason. We have examples that you can see in scriptures uh, of, of men and women who reason themselves. And I, I, it's one of those knocks on Christianity that I, I really don't like. Where people think, you know, you talk about a blind faith or just, you know, it's like opiate for the masses and it's just... You know, people have to embrace God because they don't have any real, uh, uh, it's kind of empty up here. You know what I mean? I don't like that. I don't buy it. Not at all. You have examples in Hebrews 11 like this. Verse 11, and by faith even Sarah, who was past childbearing age, was enabled to bear children because she considered him faithful. She considered him faithful who had made the promise. When she first heard about uh, bearing a child in her old age, she did what? <laughs> really? Okay, let's see how that one goes. <laughs> Over time, she considered. And she had plenty to consider from me. Think about it, right? Her and Abraham, they're traveling in tents. Did God provide for them? Did God protect them? Did she have tangible examples of the faithfulness of God in her life? She did. She considered him faithful who had made the promise. Hebrews 11, 17 through 19. By faith, Abraham, when God tested him, offered Isaac as a sacrifice. He who had embraced the promises was about to sacrifice his one and only son. Even though God had said to him, it is through Isaac that your offspring will be reckoned. Abraham reasoned that God could even raise the dead. And so in a manner of speaking, he did receive Isaac back from death. It's been said that the unexamined faith is not worth living. We have a faith that we can examine. We have reasons 
to believe, whether it's historical, whether it's archaeological, whether it's with their own lives and testimonies. There's so many evidences, if you will, where God is screaming to the masses and saying, hey, I'm here. You can believe me. You can trust me. I love you. I have plans for you to prosper you. Yes, I'm going to use Hebrews, or I should say Jeremiah 29, 11. Plans to prosper you. Plans to give you hope in the future. He does. Granted, that was for people in captivity. Many of us are still in captivity. And we need freedom. And he says, through his promises, through his unchanging nature, that you can rely on me. That you can trust in me. When we go into this new year, some of us kind of came in, we barely made it to church, but we can still have faith Amen. and believe and hope and dream and all the things that you want to see in our South Bay church, in your small group, in your life, whatever the case may be. Our God is a great God. Our God is a powerful God. Our God is an almighty God. Amen. He can work. Do we have faith? Do we believe? And does that belief lead to action? Prayers that are bold. Lives that are courageous. That make the difficult choice. And patience in affliction. The crocus flower you may or may not be familiar with. Crocus, sorry, I butchered it. It's been, a, it's been a long night. This is the second correction today. First, I can't remember Greek. Second, it's the flower butcher. I'm going to go back to this like later, and I'm going I'm to be like judging myself for like 45 minutes. Mar- Martini nice. Cro- crocus. Crocus. Yeah. I appreciate it. Grace is needed uh, for all of us. I love this flower because it comes out and it blooms at a time where it has no business doing so. It really doesn't. And you can see this flower amidst an ocean of white. It's exactly what our faith is like with a crocus flower. We're in this situation where Jesus is not here yet. And imagine, for, you know, tangible examples. You're a single and you're being sexually pure in a world that says, uh, why are you not sleeping with anyone and everyone? When everyone is uh, gallivanting, and, and, and giving in to drunkenness and drugs and whatever thou wilt, whatever the, uh, the trendy thought or feeling or action is of the day, and you're saying, no, I'm good. We're living with the anticipation. We're living with the excitement. We're living with the faith that Jesus will return, that winter will become spring and ultimately summer. That's what the crocus does. It it, it highlights what is to come. Unknowingly, by living your faith, you are highlighting what is to come. The return of Christ. I have a question for you. What is God calling me to do by faith? What does God want you to do? If you had to put it to one thing, one area of your life that needs Faith that needs a deep belief in an almighty creator of the universe. That gives you the Holy Spirit, the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead. 
What is God calling you to do by faith? Exciting thing. Uh, this is a this is a this is a uh, exclusive. Very first time this individual has uh, shared it in any capacity on stage. Josh Smith, who was he's right over there. Uh, he was uh, baptized last May. He's going to do uh, share, if you will, his testimony on how God worked in his life and how he came to faith. Without further ado, I give you Josh Smith. guys what's up <laughs> that was a great great message by Rhett thank you sir hey I've never actually been behind these I'm usually behind there <laughs> all right so I am Joshua I mean I've got here by Rhett just a quick introduction I'm actually born and raised is, is this close enough is this close enough are we good, are we good? do I have to read it I, don't know how to I just have to speak louder yeah. okay all right cool 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 All right, can we, ah, uh, there we go. I can hear it. <laughs> I can hear it. I can hear it. Got it. Um, yeah, so my name is Joshua. I've, you know, been here for about almost a year or so. Uh, came here thanks to Rhett. I've known him pretty much about over 10 years now. He was uh, with me in high school. Uh, was my coach, actually, and it was a, just a great message on faith that he just taught, and I just really love it because that, has been such a big thing for me, just coming back to God and having faith when you just lose faith sometimes so easily. You just got to be able to hold on to it. And with that, I would like to start off with the scripture. Um, Psalms 89, I'm going to read 1 through 8, says, I will sing the Lord's great love forever. With my mouth, I will make your faithfulness known through all generations. I will declare that your love stands firm forever, that you have established your faithfulness in heaven itself. You said, I have made a covenant with my chosen one. I have sworn to David, my servant. I will establish your line forever and make your throne firm through all generations. The heavens praise your wonders, Lord, your faithfulness too, an assembly of the holy ones. For who, is, who, in, for who in the skies above can compare with the Lord? Who is like the Lord among the heavenly beings? In counsel of the holy ones, God is greatly feared. He is more awesome than all who surround him. Who is like you, Lord God Almighty? You, Lord, are mighty, and your faithfulness surrounds you. So I was looking that one up, and I absolutely really just fell in love with it. There's just a couple words in there I love, like, awesome. Who is like you, Lord God Almighty? Like, who is like him? There's no one like him. He actually brings you to the faith. So coming here was actually a pretty big step for me because it was kind of like in the midst of covid I had just gotten a text from Rhett while he was in Vegas coming back, and he said, uh, hey, so I'm coming to California. And around that time, I was, you know, having a son. So uh, he said, I, you know, can't wait to meet you on Little Man's. And, you know, I was like, yeah, just let me know when you come back, you know, so I could see you, we can meet up, we could talk and all that, you know, just catch up basically, right? And, you know, like in natural Rhett fashion, he says, okay, so when are you coming to church with me? It's the first thing he asked me. And I'm like, right when you get back, like, I'll be there for sure. Don't worry about it. And so funny enough, I was... Uh, living in Norwalk, but I was working right in Redondo Beach still, so I still work there. And that same week when I was texting Rhett, he actually, or I actually ran into Dr. Calvin Johnson. So I ran into him, it's crazy how God works, and you know, I just, 
asked him for asked me if he needs help, sparking up a conversation. And he says, you know, at the end of it, he's like, hey, so do you go to church? And I'm like, well, funny enough, I actually am trying to go to church. I'm looking for a church family. And I actually got recommended a church by like a long-term mentor of mine. And for some reason, I couldn't remember the name. I was like, it's South, something South, South. So thankfully, I had a actual link Brett sent me for one of his messages on my phone. And I was like, hey, so it's this one. And he looks over and says, hey, this is my church. I was like, oh, no way. <laughs> so uh, going from there, I was like, oh, that's crazy. So we ended up, you know, exchanging information. And um, we were going to start trying to do studies. And Rhett hadn't gotten back yet. So most of the studies were on, like, Zoom. Because, like I said, it was the middle of COVID. Couldn't really meet anybody. Like, I was one of the, the essential frontline workers, the essential workers or whatever. Yeah, I was an essential worker. <laughs> and um, just kind of like... Uh, being that, doing that, always still being busy, working about like 50 hours, just having like a newborn, it was like really tough, just trying to, you know, get reconnected with God as much as I was looking for a church family. And, you know, thankfully I found one in you guys. And I was just, just struggling with time, schedule, and things like that. So we did have our studies. Um, and they went well. And there was a point where, uh, you know, during the time before, I was kind of like losing a little bit of faith in like the world and, you know, just myself of trying to get back with God and just be around. And so when I got to doing the studies, it actually boosted my faith. And at the same time, I had everything else trying to like bring me down as well. So there was work, there was a kid, there was time, there was tiredness, there was like a lot of stuff just going on throughout like my entire world. And I just had to sometimes sit back and like think like, can I get through this? Is this like a possibility? And um, with those things, I would just kind of sit back and focus on one of those many pillars that Rhett would teach me about like prayer, fellowship, and um, uh, scripture. And one thing I held on to really closely was prayer because that was something that was always very powerful to me. I could always just sit and kind of just be with God and kind of tell him all my problems and kind of say, like, God, here you go. And, you know, surrendering surrendering isn't, like, the easiest thing. I, mean, I, had no, I had no idea. I was like, surrendering is not the easiest thing. But when you do, it's also giving your faith and showing your faith. Like, God, I'm surrendering this because I have faith in you that you will help me through this. Because, I mean, I'm not a good planner as it is. So when I had my plans and God was like, these aren't the right plans, I had to say, okay, these are your right plans. I should probably take my plans out of this. <laughs> Um, so the studies actually went very good at first uh, over Zoom, and there was a part where I did fall off a little bit, and I was, like I said, just surrounded by a lot of stuff, you know, just kind of like, it's, it's funny, I kind of think about it like, a, you know, you put the mustard seed into the ground and stuff, and it's just like a lot of dirt and stuff around it before it grows, so it's always pressure, there's just things constantly around it, but you just have to have that faith and just kind of like hold on to that little, even if it gets like down to a little tiny bit, you still got to hold on to it. Um, so studies declined a little bit, but um, Rhett just kept encouraging me. He was like, just show up, just come to these things, just show up, just be there, just walk in. You don't even have to do anything, just come. <laughs> you don't have to speak, you could just sit there and enjoy it. So I just sat there, I would come, I would uh, actually join the Oasis group, shout out to Oasis. Uh, <laughs> and sitting in on those, I mean, like I said, just praying for a new church family, I, you know, I was able to find one. 
and it started to grow little by little. And, you know, it started off with, you know, not just Rhett, but Richard Kim, Taishi Quest, you know, Isaiah, miss you, brother. No, know you're out there. Um, and it just exponentially grew from there. And I can't be more thankful for you guys uh, just through all those things and just trying to be vulnerable because there's a part of time where I just, you know, you feel really just lonely. And that's where it's a big thing for me was like, I'm just kind of lonely right now. I'm doing this work and I'm preparing things for someone else, you know, like my, uh, my son, my child, I'm just, I want to make sure he's okay, but also if I need to do that, I need to make sure my spirit's right. I need to make sure my heart's good so then he can see that and be, and have an example. And that was, that's part of just me just being vulnerable, just giving everything to God and saying, God, this is going to be your plan. Because like I said, I'm not the best planner. <laughs> uh, and with that, the studies actually continued. They went very well. COVID started to pass by and we started to see each other again. And I could like be around people in rooms with masks and then went to not masks and I can actually recognize people's faces. And that was great. Cause I was like, okay, I see you with a mask on. I don't see you with a mask on now. I didn't know you had a beard. I didn't know what was going on here. So <laughs> um, after uh, I actually um, decided to give my life to God completely, um, around May, and it was May 18th when I got baptized. It was, it was um, down on Avenue C. It was a really great time, great showing. I wish I would have got the picture up here of everybody, and then the video when Richie just gets like slammed by the by a wave. <laughs> um, and I was just, I felt so surrounded by all the love God had, you know, told me that there would be as long as I stayed faithful and stayed one with him. And I just tried and showed up and was there and tried to do things and, you know, come, come to um, pass. God has actually delivered like he always does. Because um, God, he, he, his promises are 100%. He, he always will keep them. Um, and after that cold baptism water in the ocean, <laughs> it was about like 6 o'clock. It was freezing. <laughs> we went out and we had just a great time fellowshipping. And that was one of the points where I just felt like, again, just so surrounded by the love God had. And God was telling me that this is going to be. So through that, I actually ended up growing more in the church. I ended up joining, uh, being a, not a big part, but I got to have my voice a little bit more in Oasis, which is nice. And um, after we had a member of the church actually move for good reasons. I ended up joining the tech team, which is starting to be, yeah. <laughs> which actually had, um, had another great impact on me too because I was trying to find like a gift or something I could bring here, which was also very, like my, my thing is like service. I could do stuff. Like I said, I'm not the best planner, but I'll do stuff. <laughs> so like I'll, I'll make sure like I can be there and on time and and things with that. So just like, just to finish it out, um, my faith had wavered for sure before. And even coming back, it was strong, but there were still times where I felt like it was, it was getting shaken up a little bit. Like there were things that were like trying to stake in my path and like shake my way out and things like I had to see. But like, like Red explained, like sometimes faith is things you don't see 
but there are there is a definite belief that you have to have in God and you have to give it all to him in a way so that he can actually work within you and you can see his works because you do see it you see all of it I see it all now all you guys sitting in the room <laughs> you guys are literally a really big part of like the family got to have and grow up here or and grow here with with my time so I'm truly forever thankful for you guys for that um, yeah and thank you for listening <laughs> So now, not only did Rhett want me to share, but I am going to pray for communion. <laughs> um, but uh, before then, I just want to, you know, say that God is, he does keep his promises. God has literally kept the biggest promise as we go into communion, where when we take this bread and have this cup that we do remember, God sent his son down for us to die on the cross. And that is his promise that he has fulfilled and he will also always fulfill. Um, okay, let's go to God in prayer. Uh, dear God, I just, you know, we all just come here with a heart of thankfulness, Lord. Thank you for just being with us constantly, God. Thank you for having your light move through us and in our faith, God. Thank you for just the power to hold on to our faith, Lord, even in, in times of, you know, doubt or times of desperate need that we still can just look to you and know that you're faithful, Lord. Um, we're thankful for... I'm just truly thankful for the families we, we gain, the families we share, and uh, God, just the, the time we get to have with each other. I uh, thank you for just com completely um, showing us who you are and what you can do. And God, I pray that you just continually uh, work within us, God, work through us. Um, let us be, let us try to be our best to be one with you and closest to you, God, um, even in our struggles, Lord. May we, may we look to you and know that you're there. Uh, and know that you're not just there for the moment, but that you're always there and you'll always be around us, God. And as we pray for communion, Lord, I just ask that we always remember your son who has uh, came and, and died for us, Lord, and that promise that you have fulfilled and has uh, taken away the sins of the world, Lord, and that we may um, come to you always when we're always having any sort of troubles or times of hardship or felt like we're being surrounded, Lord, or doing good things and still being persecuted for it, God, that you will not abandon us during any of those times. Um, these things, God, I just thank you for and ask you for. In the name of your son, I pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to the South Bay Church Podcast. For other sermons, videos, upcoming events, and more about our church, please visit southbaychurch.us.